It was a long time, and that became a obsession with an idea, and it became an obsession with finishing what I said I was going to do. Like, ended up in this weird niche where I like specialize in wool blankets and canvas rugs and like leather goods. It's the complete antithesis of um, technology. My energy is changing, you know, from being able to hyper-focus and, and redirect huge amounts of energy into something, and now it's turning into more uh, things over a longer period of time. Hello, and welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. My name is Chris Meredith. And my name is Paul Fairweather. And we're on a mission to lift a lid on creativity in the workplace and beyond. And this week's guest, Nick Jaffe, is somebody I think epitomizes the idea of not just a creative thinker, but a creative deliverer. Uh, he's done so many different things. He's solo sailed almost around the world. Um, he's built a business around canvas products, leather products. Um, but he's also a philosopher, a thinker too. Paul, wh what did you learn from him? Chris, one of my favourite quotes was given to me by my late friend Carl was, the world needs dreamers and the world needs doers. But what the world really needs is dreamers that do. Just, uh, and I think this epitomises Nick. You know, he is a dreamer, but he's a doer. And he has fantastic insights about what you can and can't do and how to go about it. So... Yes, for anyone who, who might be stuck or really wants to get more done, then this is the unusual um, way to do it. So uh, please listen further to what Nick has to say. Let's get Nick in. Nick, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Nick, great pleasure to have you on the show. Fellow yachtsman photographer, I'm very excited to have a chat. So Nick, uh, just, just to start out, we normally ask people... Uh, to give us a bit of a potted history very quickly. But in your case, I think that might take up the whole show or more. So um, can we just ask you, what are a couple of the, the turning points in your life that, that, that changed direction or made a big difference? I think the first big thing in my life that changed my direction was I was 16. And um, I convinced my parents that I was going to leave school. And um, I left school and I started work as a software developer. And um, we lived in outer Melbourne and I couldn't drive a car. It was too young. So I would spend a couple of, I'd spend four hours, two hours each way or more actually, um, traveling into the city to work. And um, that was, yeah, I won't go too much into too much detail about that, but that was a big turning point was, yeah, leaving school and starting work. And um, a second big point I think was around the age of 21 when I realized I wasn't sure I wanted to sit at a desk for the rest of my life. I really loved software um but i could sort of see the writing on the wall about that so i left that job and i went to university and i studied fine art majoring in photography that was a, a big turning point um another turning point i moved to berlin um another turning point i bought a sailing boat on a whim and uh, sailed yeah two-thirds of, of the way around the world on my own um, from from uh, Europe back to Australia. That was a big one. And uh, another turning point, I started a, a business with a, a very good friend of mine, which we, we worked together very closely for seven or eight years. And another turning point was that ended. I went out on my own 
and um, and then another one. I met my partner Elodie, and and we have kids now, and um, we bought some land about a year ago, and and now we're up to date, I guess, on the big big changes. There's lots of detail in between, but yeah. Let me ask you about whims. I mean, a lot. Of, I, I was I could think of maybe two, perhaps three turning points in my life. You just listed, I don't know, a dozen. Um, and it sounds like a lot of the decisions are made very instinctively. And I, I'm just wondering if would you recommend making decisions like that? I I, I would if you can follow through, um, and and if you know yourself, you know, and and I think I started really learning a lot about myself from from that time when I left school, you know, because that was a big move for, for someone who was 16. And I really had to pull it off because I had to convince a lot of people that I could do it. And um, and it was a lot of work, you know, because I still actually, I still went to school. I quit school. The deal with my parents was, they said, well, yeah, you can, you can quit school. You can not go to physically go to school, but you've got to finish school. And so I thought, well, how, how, how do I figure that out? So I actually called up the School of the Air who let kids study over radio. And I said, well, I can't go to school anymore because I'm going to work. So can you guys help me out? And they said, yeah, okay. So I would get these little packets in the post every week um, of schoolwork. And so I would work 40 hours plus five hours of travel a day, five days a week. And then I did my school, uh, my high school on weekends in, in post packets. And, and that was my life for a number of years. Wow. You know. Actually, Nick, that's amazing. They've changed the system in Queensland, at least. And I have some friends who kids don't physically go to school, but it's not school of the air, but it is like a correspondence school. Um, I just wanted to follow on that. You, you, I love the thing you said, it's okay to want to whim as long as you follow through on it. Now, we were introduced by uh, my old friend, Samantha Bell, Sam Bell, who ran the Do Lectures in Australia, and you, um, I think, connected there by... Well, you gave a, a talk there, but she calls you the 21 day man. Um, why does she call you that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't remember the specific project that was in reference to or, or where it started, but she sort of just made this observation that I could pull off a lot of work in a short amount of time. I, you know, I could bootstrap something very quickly or I could build something quickly and because I work for myself, I'm self-directed, I can I can manage my time. So if I suddenly fixate on a project or an idea, I can basically let everything else go and I can hyper-focus on that thing. Well, through that, I can do things, maybe not always within 21 days, but I think that's what she observed, I think. You would have to ask her specifically what she observed. No, no well, that, that's, that's why she observed. But we were talking about it earlier, and you said that you thought about it quite often because now you have kids. Do you want to expand on, on that? Yeah, so I, I, I do think about it quite often because I have I have kids now, a, a, a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and, and we have this 13-acre property that we're trying to build a house on. And um, it's a huge project. It's it's huge. And um, I'm in a shipping container now that I converted. This is my workshop. I have two shipping. Well, we have three shipping containers. I work out of two. And um, we live in a tiny house that I built. And this is sort of all temporary infrastructure while we build, you know, quote unquote, the proper stuff. And I had to lay a gravel path from the tiny house to my workshop. And normally I would do that very quickly. I would sort of just move all this gravel. And I started to notice, I was like, wow, this gravel path is... It's taking a long, long time. And it, what it ended up being was this incremental gravel path. And I would think about Sam and I was like, oh, the 21-day man is gone. <laughs> um, and I would I would do a, a, a wheelbarrow of gravel over a couple of days. And I thought, I wonder if this is 
my energy is changing, you know, from being able to hyper-focus and, and redirect huge amounts of energy into something, and now it's turning into more uh, things over a longer period of time and incrementally. And I start to think, you know, was that a bad thing or is that a good thing? And I start to think that that was a good thing. I wonder we should we should call you perhaps the twenty two day man in deference to that point. By the way, <laughs> but is there a downside? I mean, it's interesting. The hyper focus, something I identify with. Um, I know sometimes when I'm really focused on things, people will try and talk to me, and they don't get any reply. They think I'm ignoring them. I'm actually kind of absolutely focused on my task. I've no idea they're there. So, is there a downside to the, this sort of hyper focus? What? Yeah. What? What does it cost you? Yeah, it, it definitely has its costs. And um, I think sometimes I will, uh, you know, um, do something instinctively and hyper-focus on it. And then um, I can realize that maybe I should have slowed down a bit and thought a bit more about that. Um, because, you know, and, and sometimes it catches me out and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm, I just, you know, I, I go ahead and I do the thing. Um, and everything works out well, but you know, sometimes I do, I do make mistakes and I, I waste some time, but at the same time, I always learn something. I think in terms of other people, you know, I'm not a sociable person, you know, I, I don't think, and, and I, I'm able to hyper-focus because I don't socialize a lot. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't have any of those distractions. It's all on the thing. For, for people um, listening, I, mean, I should explain kind of what 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 I know about you. You're a photographer. You're you're a yacht person. You've got a business. You're into micro hotels. I've seen something on Airbnb. You're a writer. You make handles, leather handles for land. There's a, there's a huge array of things you've accomplished. All of them seem individually super exciting, super creative. Is what what binds them together? Or maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just kind of novelty mm. what, what binds them together i used to worry about that i used to think oh you know um i need to be the uh ten thousand hour person and and just do one mm. thing and you know you learn you see a lot of that you know all this stuff in the world trying to influence you to be a certain person or you can only be successful if you do a certain thing and you know, at the end of the day, I started to think, well, yeah, what is all this? What ties all this stuff together? And the answer is very simple: what ties it all together is me. You know, and and these are just things I just I just love doing. I love spending my time doing the things that I want to do. And if that means making a leather door handle for a Land Rover, well, that's what I'm going to do. You know, and I'm going to make it really awesome. And um, you know, maybe I'll scale it up and sell it. And that's what I do. Yeah. And so the, the the message there it sounds like the message then is kind of to, to do what you love, kind of be selfish in a good way. Would, would that be fair? If your mm. your message to the world, yeah, and 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 the word the word or expression selfish is something I also ponder a lot, you know. And I I do sometimes. Mm. Another thing we see a lot in in today's world is that you. Um, everything has to have a purpose, and everything you you have to be helping people and like directly and i think about that a lot and and having kids has definitely made me think about the idea of selfishness a lot as well so so nick i just did some quick calculations uh there's 441 hours in uh, 21 days um and it's divided 10,000 hours by that it's actually 22 projects so you are the 22 project man now if you want to be the <laughs> <laughs> all right cool uh, 
Um, but Nick, I had a question, and 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 I'm really interested in this thing that you were talking about that with with Chris and the answers, and how you you know you get this idea and you focus and focus. Um, yet you know you had this eight month sailing thing when you were by yourself, and except for staying alive, you were doing nothing else. I'm assuming. You know, I know you were videoing yourself, and you know, you created a documentary out of that, so you were not not productive. But that's obviously a very different, you know, space that you would have been in for that 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 eight or nine months, rather than where you are now, where you you know have an idea and you just do it and you scale it up. What what how how did you? What are you thinking when you're sitting out there, you know, with nothing much to do? <laughs> it was actually four years. So from the inception of the idea to um, actually landing in Sydney, it was four years. So. It was a long time, and that became a obsession with an idea, and it became an obsession with finishing what I said I was going to do. Initially, when I was when I bought the boat, and I'm looking at charts and I'm looking at weather and seasons and everything, I was like, "Oh yeah, this will take nine months. I can do that. That'd be a cool trip." And um, well, yeah, four years later, um, I got home. So the idea that there's nothing to do at sea or anything like that, I mean, there's so much to do. There's so much to do. And th- and when I say so much to do, often there's so much to do in doing nothing. You know, I, I used to have this thing where I would stand in the cockpit uh, for hours, like hours and hours and hours, like an entire day. You just stand there and the boat is, is constantly moving. It never stops moving. And you just sit there and you balance in this weird way. And you just like look at the sea. And there's just this incredible array of things to observe and just think or not think. And and there's many things on a boat that need to be constantly looked after. I mean, you're in a 24-hour cycle. Like time doesn't exist anymore. You work when you need to work. You fix when you need to fix. And you rest when you can and you eat. So... Like time just is thrown out the window, and um, you know there, there were some big passages there. There was, you know, a thirty-day passage, a twenty-seven-day passage, a twenty-eight-day passage. There were these big chunks of time, and I, I loved those the most. I loved those big mm. chunks of time alone. So, when you landed, did you have your next project planned? But the reason I ask that is because I'm wondering if that experience of spending so long alone, so long, kind of. In a form of meditation, I guess you'd say, just looking at the ocean, allows your brain to kind of wander and think about what you want to do. What? So I'm wondering if it helped you, did it springboard you to your next project, or was it an end in itself? It, it did. Um, you know, so I came back at the end of that trip, and I think I was maybe 29 or, or 30, maybe 29, I think, when I finished that trip. And I came back and, and after such a huge experience, you know, a lot of people were like either, I remember some people, I can't remember who they were, they sort of said to me, they're like, Dick, you're either going to just like keep going and being some type of sea gypsy or you're going to become a merchant banker. <laughs> you know, like there was these two <laughs> these two extremes. And um, I sort of ended the trip and I was sort of over it. I was exhausted. I was very tired. I was very poor for a very long time, like four years with no money, just like constantly trying to get by. And um, I just, I sold the boat and I was like, what am I going to do now? And I was always thinking about business ideas and and as a sort of like a reluctant businessman and the, the, the business ideas were like, that trying to come up with things that I could do that were interesting, but that would also support a lifestyle of basically doing whatever I want. Yeah, I sort of then 
went into business with my business partner and we were doing we were doing tech stuff basically that's that's what we what sort of moved into and we took we took a lot of risks at, at the end of that trip i felt like i could do anything you know like nothing um, was too was was too great a risk because I, i've seen clips of your your documentary i mean the, the boat was very small quite old prone to all sorts of failure you overcome all sorts of practical obstacles on the way so i can absolutely understand why you'd say if you can take a tiny craft tiny frail craft like that across the world then yeah why wouldn't you be able to achieve anything so i'm wondering should everybody go sailing i think everybody should go yeah and i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be sailing but everyone should go on like this insane sabbatical for sure i think the the Mm. world would would be a better place if everyone did that so so nick did you you say also after you finished the tech business you felt you could do anything because you took so many risks so the tech business was really hard we achieved a lot with very little resources you know we we started a business we we virtually walked down elizabeth street martin and i my business partner and we started a business with two dollars each and we walked into bendigo bank and we put four dollars on the table and we started our business it was called it was still it still exists it was called it's called servisaurus and it was a, a fun name and we were going to do um, web hosting, but like not just generic web, web hosting, we're going to do something special. And uh, yeah, we ended up building Servisaurus into a really awesome company and we owned a lot of physical infrastructure and we put a lot of money into that project. And And we also built a co-working space in parallel. So we had a really cool office to work out of. And so, yeah, we built these really cool things from, from $2 each. It was pretty amazing. By the end of the business stuff, I was tired. Like I was, you know. Right. Um, so, so tell me about the making that you do now with the leather and canvas goods and stuff. Uh, I see some rolls of stuff behind you. Yeah, I want to do what those uh, are. You, are you actually making, or do you outsource, or is it? I physically, I physically make everything, and you can't see the rest of this shipping container, but it's full of, um, it's full of sewing machines. There's four sewing machines in here. And but what but you can see behind me are uh, canvas pre-cut. I've cut them canvas um, uh, pieces of canvas, which I sew into these sort of outdoor canvas um, rugs, for a better word. Um, so I've like ended up in this weird niche where I like specialize in wool blankets and canvas rugs and like leather goods. It's the complete antithesis of um, technology. But um, I just, I just love coming into my workshop with my sewing machines and just concentrating on making these really beautiful things completely on my own. So, here we are. <laughs> Fantastic. And actually, I love your army wool blankets. I saw on your site, and uh, I always love. I'm probably going to say this right, but on a on a Do you remember? They were. They used to make wool blankets. Uh, I think they're still around. I'm not quite sure. Do you know of them? No, I don't. It's a it's a wool uh, manufacturing or was a wool manufacturing in Australia. And I'm not quite sure if they're still around. But yeah, no, I really like it. I can feel that sort of, you know, warmth but slight coarseness to them. You know, like they're not. You know, they're, they're, they're that that sort of you know utilitarian warmth. Um, yeah. They're very, they're very utilitarian. They're not, uh, they're not finely woven merino, you know. Um, and, and I, 
I I love mate- like I love materials, you know, and I love I love uh, the you know this canvas behind me is is spun and 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 dyed and woven in in um, in New South Wales. It's like the last place in Australia that does it, and I I, wow. I saw saw my material the, the little eyelets that I punch into the side of the the canvas uh, come from a factory in Melbourne that was converted from steam you know to electric and they still make these little wow. eyelets like I love I, I just love this stuff so the wool as well what about the blankets do they are they made in Australia still the wool's a really tough one for me um because there's only one mill left in Australia and it's actually in the north of Tasmania and I've tried many times to collaborate with them and to buy wool from them but it's unfortunately been made pretty much impossible so the best that I've been able to do is that this wool is made from recycled um, uh, woolen garments that are sourced in Australia by um, a company and then it's shipped to a family factory in India Torn apart, respun, and then shipped all the way back, and it's crazy. But unfortunately, wow. that's how it is. Yeah, so that's where the, uh, the that's the provenance of the of the blanket. Wow, wow, that that's amazing. What about the kids, Nick? The, the, mm. It's a, 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 basically the heart of this question is: Do you reckon if one of your kids said, "I want to give up school and start work"? You'd be able to say, "Yeah, go for that." That's uh, um, kind of how. But what do you want for them that you weren't allowed to do? Kinda, how? How is what has life taught you that you want to pass on to those kids? You know, I think in in having kids, um, you know, if if they said they want to quit school and they want to go do this this thing, I, I you know, I, I feel like I would support them. I think the thing that I have done that I would find very difficult if my kids decided to do would be some type of high-risk activity. So uh, they're going to sail yeah. in a 26-foot boat across the Atlantic alone. Like, <laughs> I really understand my mum's concern uh, now that I have my own kids. And so I, yeah, like I didn't. I was very, uh, I just, I, I kind of got mad. I was like, mum, why don't you just support me? This is This is amazing. Why can't you just support me it? in doing this thing you know why are you always telling me not to do this or not to do to take risks and having kids now i, I really understand that I, I just i cannot i cannot for a hot second imagine losing them or or anything i just I, you know i sit in bed sometimes and i think about parents in war-torn zones and i almost come to tears you know like i just i can't imagine and so if they if they woke up tomorrow and said they're going to be the youngest person to sail around the world i would find that very difficult uh, Nick, I we I used to host TEDx Brisbane, and we had um, Jessica uh, Watson do a talk for us. Um, it was amazing because her thing, you know, I thought about resilience and all that, but her thing was about preparation. That was her her topic. You know, her idea was about how being prepared. Uh, and I suppose she would have been in her early twenties when when she did this uh, ten so years ago. And I was shocked at how small she is. Now, <laughs> I can't imagine how big she was not when she was 16. And I have a 16-year-old son and my daughter turned 14-year-old today and I could not imagine either of those getting on a boat. And I've done a fair bit of sailing myself, um, never, uh, well, offshore, but only sort of you know up the coast of Queensland. 
but I cannot imagine it. So yeah, so but it's interesting, isn't it? Now you didn't do that when you were sixteen, but it is uh, it is a challenge, isn't it? Where we want to let them free, but we also want to protect them at the same time. It's. I'm wondering if if we should bottle the inner teenager. But actually, that's that's when your mind is its clearest, and that you the ignorance of the risk is a very good thing, and you take on things that others tell you not to. And and yeah, maybe there are downsides to it but there's so many upsides and the optimism of being a teenager is something we should we should celebrate we should bottle maybe we could all politicians should be teenagers and we'd be in a great space if we did that (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's a tough one and yeah jessica watson jesse martin both achieved crazy things at a young age it's um i can't i can't imagine what their parents were thinking you know so i don't want to think about that (laughs) So, Nick, I watched it the other day, the Michael J. Fox um, documentary, I've seen it called Still, and it's really fascinating. And actually, what, what I just made the connection is that when he did Back to the Future, he was full-time on Family Ties, and he did Back to the Future at nighttime, um, a bit like you going to school and, and working for tech. And, you know, and he was very young and he had a lot of energy, and it's really interesting watching him now, you know, when he still has that energy but his body doesn't doesn't you know allow him to to do the things that he wants to do but he keeps on pushing himself and i, and I suppose it's a it's a minor version of what you're talking about you know that you're no longer the 21 day man you can't do the path in 21 days so i think it's really interesting if you've seen the movie but it, it is absolutely fantastic but it reminded me of you when you said, yeah, I, I, I worked in the day and did school at night yeah I saw the um, the trailer for the film the other day and I'm really looking forward to it to watching it and and uh, you know like being able to do so many things i mean i still do a lot of things uh, there's no doubt like this the amount of stuff i've done in the last 12 months when i think in retrospect is crazy but i think there's so many hours in the day if you can just use them i think it's really quite possible to do a lot of things if you're focused and you use your time well and you've got to you have to love doing those things obviously so what are your tips because I mean, I'll put it out there, Nick. I'm deeply jealous. You seem to be able to do anything you want to. You seem to kind of have this, if you like, if you're, freedom is what you found, I think. Um, what are your tips for, for the rest of the world? You know, <laughs> sometimes I think when people sometimes come to me and they want to do something and I just say, well, you know, just go and do it. You know, and that's a really simplistic and a little bit of a lame thing to say because there's so much complexity. And I mean, I have thought about using my time the way I want to use it for so long. And I've sort of engineered my life for so long in a certain way to be able to do those things that it's not, it's not, it's not easy to suddenly just flip everything upside down. And, you know, like if you've got kids and debt and you want to go sailing across the ocean, well, you know, I also can be really blunt and I say, well, unfortunately, you can't do that because you made a series of decisions prior to this one and they don't allow you to do that. And I'm sorry, but that's sort of just the way it is. So you're going to have to come up with something else or you're going to have to spend the next five years rearranging your life and your relationships and your finances so that you can go and do that thing. And um, so I, I just... I don't have a simple answer because, you know, to be able to quote unquote, do your own thing, um, it t- takes a lot of time and, and energy and, and it, it, I don't just live my life literally just whimsically walking around doing my yeah. own thing. Um, 
even though sometimes I think to other people maybe it appears that way. Um, but there's a lot of energy and thought and time that goes into. I tell you what I'm thinking, Nick. I- I'd like to read the Nick Jafe Guide to Time Management. <laughs> I think no, I'm serious. I think you you know how to harness time to deliver what you want. And there are so many people that don't. The time is sort of planned for them. Um, so I'm not suggesting it would be kind of you know the ultimate diary that would have time slots in it. But you, I think you think very hard about your time and not spending it with distractions like the TV and so on. So it's free for you to do what you want. So that would be a great. There we are. There's a free idea for you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, and I think I think a lot of it, I, I, you know, I, I, I from a very young age have felt um, like I needed to be doing things in a very interesting manner, and I, I would feel guilty if I was wasting my time. And, and I don't know where that comes from. I honestly don't. And it, maybe it's unhealthy, and maybe it's some type of OCD or anxiety or you know, a, 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 a perfectionism. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you want to diagnose it, but. Um, and, and another thing is, is that with time management, you can really get sucked into stuff where there's people doing, you know, uh, they wake up at four in the morning, they've got to do this and then they've yeah. got to eat this and exercise this and do that. And I remember hearing something about, um, Kelly Slater, the surfer, you know, and, and surfing is one of those things where you've really got to, um, be following the weather or the elements. And he said something about an interview where he just wakes up when he feels like, and he goes for a surf when he wants to. You know, like mm. Kelly Slater's not waking up at 4 a.m. chasing waves. He's waking up at 10, making a smoothie, you know, but he's still top of his game. He's the, the best of the best. And I think that's interesting. Uh, Nick, I, I read it somewhere. It was someone told me what that sort of summed up your thing. And I love that whole thing about, well, maybe you've got to go back five years or wait five years to, to resold it. But you can do anything you want or you can try anything you want, but you just can't do everything. And uh, which I think is sort of, you know, part of what you're saying. Um, I just wanted to link back to one of our very early guests, a mate of mine, a sculptor called Stephen Hart, which I think you'd probably lo- love his work. But he uh, he called his studio the Museum of Time Spent. And so it was all, you know, like all his work. And, and he carved this little sign, only about sort of an inch high, out of little timber letters. And, they, you know, they look like something that's been put out of a machine, but he just, he carved those. So it was all about that, all about, you know, this is a museum of, of where he's put his time, um, which are, which I think um, you, you have a portfolio of time spent, <laughs> a portfolio life of time spent. Yeah, I'm very lucky, you know. It's, a lot of it's luck as well. And, and people don't like to talk about that or think about that, but, you know, it, it's true. I have a quick question about creativity. Uh, uh, this is the spot out of a... A bunch of shows we've done recently on how the brain comes up with ideas and neuroscientists and academics. How does the brain come up with ideas? And one of the big um, messages is that it, the brain needs to be allowed to wander. It needs to kind of wallow in things. It needs to not have an agenda, if you like. And I, I think you know, your, your creative output is phenomenal across a whole range of different kinds of fields, not just art, not just production, not just software, you know, across a whole range of people. Um, is that something you're aware of? Do you think what is wandering, allowing the brain to kind of uh, free flow, if you like, is that something you're conscious of? Do you promote it? Do you think it's important? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's, and I, I think back to my sailing, you know, um, I, I had so much time to wander and think and dream and, and, and read books. 
and and then I would come to land and and I think especially with the advent of of smartphones and stuff that was a real game changer to attention and I definitely noticed that and I remember I did a second voyage I finished my voyage that big one you know in my 26 foot boat that took four years and that was just pre-smartphone era and uh, I did another voyage across the Pacific again, um, but I, I did it with a friend, a mate of mine, and in a slightly larger boat, 32-foot boat, we crossed the Pacific. And uh, that was in 2013, I think, so we'd had the iPhone for a while there. And I remember the first couple of weeks of our voyage to the Marquesas, 37 days, like it was serious withdrawal symptoms, you know, like an addict. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I really noticed that it was very conscious of that and um and i think one of the things today is that those times where you're sitting in a queue waiting for something or you're sitting at what you know at a bus stop or whatever you don't just be staring at a tree thinking now you're doing the pickup and um and i think there's a lot of things lost there and and i think when i do my sewing and stuff i have a lot of time to just let my mind wander I enjoy it. Do you have your phone in your studios? I'm, I'm interested to know that because do you have do you, do you yeah from pickup mill? So I have two two containers, and I have in one container I have um you know like my computer and stuff for managing you know orders and e-commerce stuff and and ordering stuff and all that sort of thing, and, and that's where my phone charger is. That's where all that is, and I pretty much I don't unless I'm expecting a call or I, there's something that I need the phone. The phone and everything stays in the other container. And in this container, I'm just doing um, I'm just doing sewing because there's just sewing machines in here. There's no sewing machines in the other one. The other one's more like I'm preparing work. Um, I'm like looking at an order or responding to someone or something like that. But when I come into this workshop, this is where the sewing machines are and this is where stuff's physically getting made. So I don't have my phone in here because it annoys me and distracts me and i'm if, if i make a mistake in canvas or leather like that's it like it's wrecked i have to start again yeah, um yeah. so you know it's it's not like when you're doing stuff in digital you're like oh no i'll just fix that in post like you can't fix leather <laughs> in posts you know so yeah that's a great rule is it just you, you need the technology we all of us have to kind of work with it to make life happen but separate it have places to create places to think where you're free of it and then have a place where you can it, that and i think i don't know many people that do that um i think most when you know here's a phone right by me right now and so the, the joy of liberating yourself from that or the power of liberating yourself from that perhaps is really important yeah that's it's hard it's crazy how addictive it is there's no doubt <laughs> no doubt it's incredible well nick um we want to thank you we unfortunately our time's come to a close I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to uh, coming onto the computer, which is in your um, in your making. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. We're talking to you in your making. It is. Uh, well, before we, but this is where I do my writing as well. So I do bring my laptop in, right. but it's portable. Right, and I take it out. So that's what we're on yeah. now. We're on my laptop. So yeah. <laughs> but before we go, how can people find out more about you? Um, do, uh, if they want to interested in your canvas products or door handles or what, how do we find out more about you? Um, I think just at my website, just Nick Jaffe. Jaffe is an unusual name. It's spelled J-A-F-F-E, uh, nickjaffe.com.au. And that, that from that website, it links out really to, to all of my stuff. That's, you know, so that's the, 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 the central point of, of finding out more. Yeah. Well, I, I like it. I know it's Jaffe, not Jaffa. 
but I'm thinking of Thank the, you. the whole Jaffa, Jaffa experience of, you know, the, the, the bright red on the outside and the chocolate on the inside. And I say, we've got different textures, different flavors, and different amounts of sugar. So, uh, Nick, thank, thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, thanks, Nick. You've been uh, you've been great fun and uh, very. You guys give us some really amazing insights into creativity and creative thinking. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank, thank you, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Wow, Chris, yet yet again, blown away by someone from a different perspective, their insight about creativity in life and business. Absolutely, and. You know, I'm going to watch out. I'm going to have to switch off all my technology or at least find a space where I'm going to take, get rid of my phone and my laptop so I can think and be creative. But also, I loved his insights about doing things on a whim. If, if you can follow through and you know yourself, then yes, you should. Um, and hopefully somebody listening, a politician, somebody will think about that idea of all of our leaders being teenagers because of that optimism and sense of adventure they have. Chris, the bit that I took from it, which really resonated me with this about that he gets things done because he has hyper-focus, but he said something almost as a, as a sort of a, an aside, but he said everything else drops away. And I think that's the thing. You can only hyper-focus on one thing if you put everything else to the side. Um, and I think that's, 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 that's so clear. People think, I'm trying to focus on this, but I'm also focusing on that and do that. I've got to do this and do that. And so he's obviously got that ability. I loved his own observations about as he gets a little older, you know, he's less able to do that, be that 21-day man. But uh, he's now the 22-week guy. He's <laughs> 10,000 hours. So anyway, look, it was great. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed it, please uh, leave us a rating, preferably five. Leave us a review. But most importantly, tell your friends. Uh, share it. Uh, and because there's lots of learning... Uh, from uh, from Nick. Yeah, the world needs more creativity. We all of us need to think of new solutions to difficult problems. So tell your friends and um, join us for next week's show on The Common Creative. Cheers.